Hello, my lovely listeners. This is Liz. You are listening to the Yeet That Wheat podcast. It is currently 4.45 in the morning, Eastern Time. Um, It's also the day before my birthday, and the only reason I am awake making this episode is because I cannot sleep. And I never thought I'd make this episode. I never... You know, when I get sick, I don't normally um, do anything. (laughs) I try to stay in bed and rest, but I am awake um, and I don't want to just sit and scroll on my phone. So this is the first COVID diary episode and I guess we should just dive right into it. So I woke up yesterday, a little tickle in my throat, didn't think anything of it, but around lunchtime, my muscles started hurting and I was like, okay, just to be safe, let me go take a COVID test. Because for me, uh, muscle fatigue is one of the first signs that I'm sick, um, that I have a fever. And sure enough, my... um, COVID test, I took two quick view tests, um, they both had bright pink and blue lines, so without a doubt, it was a positive result. And the thing is, for me, you know, when I was taking it, I felt this kind of like looming sense of dread before I had even, like, a complete result. I was like, I don't, I don't think this is gonna be good. Um, and the scariest part is that I have never had COVID before that I know of. Um, I was part of pretty robust testing for a while at the beginning of COVID. And then, um, throughout the pandemic, I have, you know, even after I wasn't in a space that tested consistently, I personally was very vigilant about testing, masking, um, and managing and tracking my symptoms. Because some of these symptoms, they also overlap with um, celiac immune responses, um, especially if you're glutened. So it was really important for me to make sure I was managing my symptoms. So... The reason I'm making this podcast is for a few reasons. Firstly, because I want people to understand that COVID is still a threat. I know people are really tired of talking about it. People are tired of masking. But the problem is there are very weak and vulnerable populations of people, which I fall into that category, who can be affected can have long-term side effects of COVID. Um, It can trigger autoimmune diseases that may have been dormant and people can die. Like that's just really frank, cut and dry. People are still dying from this disease. And while it might not be somebody you know, well now, I'm sick, 
I'm vulnerable and I don't want to be next. So I don't want you guys to have to be like, wow, I know somebody who died of COVID. So that's just a little PSA. Please be responsible if you are going to gatherings and whatnot. Please make sure you're testing beforehand. Don't spread it to other people. I think a little compassion goes a long way. And even if compassion isn't your thing, which I don't agree with, and I'm not going to apologize for that. If this was a situation where you were financially liable for getting somebody else sick, then I think a lot of people would think twice about being careless or being insensitive or being unsympathetic or uncompassionate. So those things to keep in mind. A little more context about me specifically. If you do not know, this podcast is all about living a gluten-free life safely, but in a way that is as least restrictive as possible. And it's also about advocacy, inclusion, looking at issues of health equity. So there is a lot to unpack when it comes to having COVID and having an autoimmune disease, as well as any other chronic conditions that can put you in a vulnerable category. So me personally, I have celiac disease, as I mentioned, but I also have asthma. My asthma is not severe. I've never been hospitalized for it, thankfully, like knock on wood. Um, however, in the summer, my asthma is much more volatile. It also tends to be exacerbated by exercise. Um, but if the humidity is really high, I don't have to be doing anything strenuous. I could be walking and humidity is oppressive. If you know, if you live in New England, you understand what humidity is like. Thankfully, we haven't had too many hot days in the last few weeks, but uh, that is about to change. The temperature's about to go up, sun's about to come back out, and potentially the humidity will also increase. So that's a concern. Um, but so I, as soon as I tested positive, I called my doctor's office just to give you guys a bit more of a timeline. And I asked, can I get Paxlovid? But also my rescue inhaler is expired. And that's obviously a major concern because as we know, SARS-CoV-2, which is COVID or coronavirus, um, attacks the respiratory system. It is related to SARS. And so it's in the same family. A coronavirus is called a uh, coronavirus, which is the family name, because it has these spikes that make it look like a crown. Corona, Latin for crown. There you go. Um, and 
you know, just quick apologies if my voice does not sound good. I don't feel very good, <laughs> evidently. So I appreciate your patience. But so coronavirus, um, when I did test positive, called my doctor. It took a while. I will say this, it did take a while to be able to get the prescription sent. Um, my doctor wanted to do a telehealth visit, so there was about five hours between when I tested positive and when I did a telemed appointment with my PCP. And so, I understand why it took that long, but during that time, my symptoms became more exacerbated and I started seeing a decline. Um, the only reason I am, again, awake right now at almost 5 a.m. is because I woke up and I had a fever. My fever had spiked, so I needed to take something for said fever. So I'm definitely in my pajamas with a blanket wrapped around me right now. But so, during that time, what I did was I isolated immediately. Um, you know, people were trying to come into my space, um, to my room, and I decided to say stay out until I had a confirmed positive result. And then after that, I said, don't come in here. Um, I was able to call my parents because we have a landline still we're one of those families and um told them what was going on texted as well if need be um luckily i had my cell phone on me and i had service my phone's a little uh inconsistent for lack of a better word with cell service so so i did do the telehealth visit um and I was able to get the prescription for Paxlovid and for a rescue inhaler as a just-in-case because even on Paxlovid, if you don't respond to treatment and you have a respiratory condition, you might need um, something like a rescue inhaler or oxygen. So, got those things sorted. Um, the issue is by the time my appointment was over, which was a little after 7.30, uh, my, one of my parents was not able to go get the prescription, so that's why I'm awake. Um, I've been keeping a COVID journal on my phone just in case so that I can track my symptoms, track when I'm taking my medication, whether that be Tylenol or Paxlovid or even just my regular um, prescription. The only prescription I am allowed to take right now is my famotidine, which helps manage my acid reflux symptoms because of GERD. Um, so, but other than that, I'm not allowed to take anything except for Tylenol. I can take vitamins and whatnot, multivitamins, but I cannot take any other prescriptions right now because Paxlovid interacts with pretty much everything. So, 
But so, um, during that time period, obviously, you know, it's been, <laughs> it's been over 12 hours since my test came back positive. I've been pretty much in my room. I've had to go to the bathroom a few times. I've been staying pretty well hydrated, but, um, I still am starting to feel those symptoms. I think it would have been worse if I had not been hydrated. So I've been better about hydrating recently. I have this lovely Stanley um, mug, tumbler, whatever it's called. Uh, it's one of the 40 ounce ones. So, you know, I just sip away at that when I'm bored. <laughs> um, so I've been better about hydrating, which is good. But obviously in that time I needed to eat and that is the big part of why I'm making this episode because obviously if you have celiac disease and you don't live alone it's going to be very difficult for you to safely get food and that might cause you a lot of anxiety so that's something I want to talk a bit more about um, so I live with my family for some further context, uh, my two parents, and I am the oldest of eight. So, and you did hear that right, eight, like E-I-G-H-T, eight children. The youngest is seven, almost eight, huh? Um, and of the eight kids, four of them, aside from myself, live at home. The other three are away at school. So that means that I can't really safely go into the kitchen without exposing other people, which I do not want to do. Also, just a quick side note, I am vaccinated. Um, I have... I received my most recent booster. I received the bivalent booster. Um, goodness, uh, almost three weeks ago now. So I'm really hoping that it works, that my symptoms are not as bad, that it does reduce my risk of hospitalization. And even if I do get hospitalized, that, you know, I'm not intubated. That's really what I'm scared of. So, that was just a little tangent. But the way that we handled things um, in my house normally is that I have my own storage area. I have a few appliances of my own. I have a toaster oven. I have a bread maker and I have a rice cooker. Those are the three like big things I have. I store my rice cooker with my food so that's that, but in terms of my um, toaster oven and bread machine, those are in a different part of the kitchen, but they're separated from some of the other stuff. So my doctor said that because some of my symptoms include like upset stomach, um, she said don't eat any salad, no like raw leafy veggies, do not eat any raw fruit, do not eat 
um, milk or cheese. A little bit of butter is okay, she said. So if I want buttered toast, that's fine. If I want butter on a mashed potato, that is also fine. But she recommended basically sick people food. <laughs> um, she said soup, rice, toast, mashed potato. If I want veggies, they have to be well cooked, which to be honest is how I prefer to eat my veggies anyways. I'm not really a salad girl. But those are the things to keep in mind. Also, for me personally, I don't tend to eat tomatoes because they do trigger my GERD. So just to give you guys a more holistic picture. But so I asked um, my mom if she would make me something and I didn't want to make it too difficult for her. And the other thing to keep in mind is that I am not a meal prepper. I am the type that... I will look in the fridge, figure out what I want to eat, and then I will make it. And if I make a lot, which I tend to because I'm not very good at portioning since I usually cook, I used to cook for everybody, so I'm used to cooking for a lot of people. If I don't portion well, then I do have essentially meal prepped food. So I was lucky because I had some leftover mushroom rice that I made. I asked for that. And that was really nice because I had also put, you know, whole pieces of garlic and ginger. So those are good for my immune system, for my digestion. And I also asked for a piece of uh, buttered toast and a piece of buttered toast with Vegemite. So my mom just heated up the rice in the microwave in one of my bowls. I also have my own cookware for the most part bowls plates knives forks pans and that's because when i went away to school i wanted to be able to cook for myself safely number one but also number two i do enjoy cooking and i was a huge baker in case you were not aware i um baked pretty extensively prior to my celiac diagnosis. So I have a lot of cookware. Um, so I've accumulated that over time. And the theory, the excuse I use is that when I do move out, when I have my own place, I will not really need to buy anything. I'll need to buy maybe a stock pot or a larger pot. But other than that, I have pretty much anything you could need. So that's a win in my book. But so, um, my mom was able to, <coughs> excuse me, she was able to just heat up the rice in the microwave, very simple, and she was able to use my toaster oven, um, for toast. She washed her hands before doing anything, which I appreciate. She used my utensils to, um, to, you know, slice the bread and to put on the butter and the Vegemite and all that. And that is probably the, the route we're going to continue using. Pretty simple things that can either be heated in the microwave or done in my toaster oven, which is a lot of what I eat. Um, not that I'm eating a ton, ton, ton of processed food. I do eat a fair amount, but I'm not 
subsisting off of processed food. And if you are, no shame in that. Just want to put that out there. I am not here to judge anybody. We all do what we have to to keep ourselves safe. So, thankfully, I was able to eat. Now, keep in mind, that was dinner. That was my first meal. I started feeling bad around lunch, and I had made myself food at lunch. So, keep that in mind. There are more meals to go, and we will just have to see what happens. I do have an appetite still, which is good. Um, knock on wood. I still have my sense of taste and smell. I specifically have one pizzelle, a gluten-free pizzelle, in my room, in a box, and I am not eating it because <laughs> I am using it every few hours to make sure that I still can smell or taste things. Mostly smell things. Um, because if I can smell, then I can probably taste. But if I, can if I can't smell then I may or may not be able to taste things. So I'm just making sure I'm monitoring my symptoms that way. And the other thing I want to talk a bit more about is um, symptom management. So as I mentioned, I have been keeping notes on my phone in order to track, you know, when I'm eating, um, when I am taking any kind of medication, when I have um, taken my temperature, which is a big thing, as well as how my symptoms are progressing. My doctor told me that, you know, when she saw me, my symptoms were pretty mild, but they have declined significantly. Um, so she said that, you know, at the time, my temperature was 99.5, 99.5 degrees Fahrenheit. For those of you listening in Celsius, I am sorry. I do not have the bandwidth to convert. So just know that it is a low-grade fever. So she said that, you know, keep an eye on it. Obviously, take Tylenol as needed. But if my temperature does exceed 101, then I should take the Paxlovid. Um, as of 4.30 this morning, my temperature was 101.5, so it went up two whole degrees. So obviously, um, once one of my parents picks up the Paxlovid, I will probably start taking it. The concern is rebound COVID, um, and that was what she was really concerned about because you know, rebound COVID's not good. <laughs> it's not good, guys. I am very concerned about the potential for hospitalization, but I'm also concerned about the potential for long COVID. Um, so I'm just hoping the medicine works, keeping my fingers crossed, praying that this does not affect me long term. So that's why I'm keeping hypervigilant on these things. And just to note, my temperature reached 101.5 half an hour after I took Tylenol. And I'm not taking like baby Tylenol. I'm taking extra strength, 500 milligrams every, goodness, maybe six to eight hours. 
anywhere from four to eight hours, depending on if my temperature is starting to increase or my symptoms are becoming worse. So that being said, I think it is time to check my temperature because it's been an hour since I took Tylenol. I am starting to feel a little better. I had chills, intense muscle ache, um, and also just like shivers. So, and my skin felt hot. So let's just check. Okay, we're at 101.4. That's actually not good, which means the Tylenol has not started working. So, just... Yeah, 101.5 in my other ear. Okay, so, that being the case, my doctor also said if my fever tops 102, I do need to go to the ER. So, that's why I am taking extra care to check... Um, I need to verify if I can take a second Tylenol right now. If I can, great. I do not want to go to the ER as much as possible. I also would like to start the Paxlovid, give it a chance to work. And, yeah. <laughs> so, I think that's all I'm going to talk about right now in the event I end up in the hospital things to keep in mind. I hopefully will not be put in the ICU, but I believe there is a COVID ward. Cases are increasing in the United States. I still receive a daily COVID tracker from the New York Times, and cases are up about 19%. Um, and that's, you know, from yesterday. Well, not from yesterday. Now it's from two days ago. So... Um, that's not good. <laughs> um, if I do end up in the hospital, then that's something I'll navigate, but things that I'm going to be thinking about are how do I keep myself safe? How do I prevent my celiac disease from becoming active again, the autoimmunity associated with that? Because a lot of hospitals do not have gluten-free options, or if they do, they're not necessarily safe for somebody with celiac disease. So those are things to keep in mind. Obviously, I cannot have my parents coming... Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe they will come every day if need be, but I think they would probably just isolate me um, and, you know, transfer food to me. Um, if my parents were to be able to drop it off. So, but the last thing I want to talk about is how lonely a disease COVID is. And I don't think that's something we really talk about. And the thing is, having an illness that isolates you is lonely, but it's also really lonely having an autoimmune disease or having a chronic illness or condition. And even if you have an invisible illness. Those are pretty lonely things to experience. People from the outside don't look at you and think you're not sick. Um, part of the reason why my doctor wanted to see me was because she wanted to see how bad I looked. Obviously, if she saw me right now, she'd probably be like, oh yeah, no, you're not looking good. But the thing is, judging somebody by their appearance does not indicate how ill they are. 
yes we use it as a marker but it's not the end-all be-all and I want to emphasize that because there are so many people out there that place judgment and this goes back to the the compassion conversation just because somebody doesn't look ill just because they aren't pale just because they're not shaking physically or their eyes are bloodshot doesn't mean they aren't sick there's a lot of things that we don't know about the human body and to presume that every illness that we have is going to manifest on somebody's face or on their skin is frankly pretty ridiculous so there is a certain amount of loneliness um, with COVID and I think that loneliness can be a bit more intense when you do have an autoimmune disease because other people aren't going to really understand Ooh, you might have hurt my stomach I am hungry um, other people aren't necessarily going to understand what you're going through and so I ask for anybody listening who has a loved one who either has COVID or who has an autoimmune disease, chronic illness, invisible illness, medical condition, I want you to check up on the people that are in your life. Make sure they're okay. Try to engage with them a bit. Ask if they want some kind of stimulation or connection. Some people might just not feel good and they don't really want to talk to people, they just want to rest and that's fine. People are entitled to their rest. But there might be some people who just feel really lonely and want others to reach out to them. I know I've felt that quite a bit. I'm not... I used to be really good about prioritizing my friends over myself. I have a lot of people pleaser tendencies. You may or may not have picked up on those things if you follow me on Instagram or TikTok, but that's something I'm definitely working on. But that means I allowed myself to settle for friendship that was kind of less than I deserve. And so the friends in my life who are in my life now, I appreciate you. I love you. If I am not the best at responding, know that it's because I'm starting to prioritize myself and I do want to respond. I might get anxious if I haven't responded in a while. I also have, you know, a busy personal life and it's very stressful. I have a lot of my own baggage to deal with, but I still love you. I'm still here for you. I hope you're here for me and I hope you can give me the patience and grace to understand that I am doing my best and that I still care about you. So keeping those things in mind, just want to reiterate that it is so, so important 
to check up on people. Because even if you, you know, on the off chance that you don't check up on somebody, like a family member, um, personal anecdote, my nana, my nana's in her 80s, um, and she lives in Australia, so she's not geographically close to us, we can't really go check up on her, which is, you know, really stressful. Um, and my uncle called her, my uncle's partner called her, and a family friend called her, and my Nana didn't pick up her phone. She has a landline. Um, she also has a cell phone. She didn't pick up. So my uncle went over to her house, and she was just sitting on the floor, and she was kind of out of it. And my Nana has type 2 diabetes, so we are guessing that she um, passed out because of her glucose levels. And she's in the hospital right now. So if my uncle had not checked up on her, if nobody had gone over to her house, I do not want to think about what could have happened, but realistically I have to think about what could have happened. So I'm glad my uncle went over there. And that's not the happiest story. Thankfully, knock on wood again. We're doing lots of knocking on wood. I am superstitious. Not even a little. I am superstitious. Um, she is doing okay. She's a little chipper. Um, so, you know, but she she's hurt. She has bruising and bumps and abrasions. And, you know, she clearly fell. So I'm just very lucky that she didn't get more hurt. And I'm really lucky that somebody went and checked on her. So if that story does anything, please let it be a reminder to go check up on the people you care about, whether that be texting them, calling them, asking to do a video call, or even, you know, dropping by their house and giving them like, you know, like dropping off like a care package or something. Or like, a, you know, if you make something delicious, maybe share that with them. That's about it for oh, no, oh, <laughs> That's about it for now. But I will keep you guys updated. I will probably continue recording these episodes as long as I can. And for as long as I need to. I I'm not gonna give up because I'm only 23. My birthday is literally tomorrow. And I have so much left to do. So, if you liked this episode, make sure to leave a review. You can follow me here, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can also check out what I'm doing over on Instagram and TikTok at heat.that.wheat. Lots of teas. <laughs> And I will see you guys in the next episode. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>